Good morning. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Free Press Media Press Inc. and Alternative Parties Books Publisher sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Today, friends, we have another exciting guest on our podcast like we always do. His name is Brandon Patton. He is a musician and developer of a political card game that we're going to talk about. So we helped develop it. So welcome to the podcast, Brandon. Thank you for having me. We're glad to have you, Brandon. So let's get started by you kindly giving us an introduction to yourself, a brief biographical sketch. Sure. Okay. So uh, my name is Brandon Patton. Um, I spent many years as a musician uh, making my own... Oh, I hear an airplane in the background. That's exciting. Yeah. They found you. They're sending cruise missiles to your location right now. Hide. Yeah. Hide. Run for your life. Um, I started out uh, as a musician. Uh, I recorded my own albums. You can find them on uh, Spotify. I also played bass uh, for MC Frontalot, the nerdcore rapper who calls himself the 579th greatest rapper in the world. And um, later on, I got really into game design and um, designing games and developing games. And the reason I'm here today is to talk about Super Packs, which was a political satire card game uh, designed by some Portuguese friends who um, who were doing satire about European politics. And I became friends with one of them, and we worked together to create an American version of their game um, and launched this in 2016 um, in a Kickstarter campaign. So that was a long time ago. Uh, oh, yeah. But, but surprisingly, the game is still relevant today because really the general issues in American politics don't change that quickly. And yeah. even the, the characters, the, the main characters are pretty much the same as they were in 2016. So um, we have this card game. We, we launched an expansion for it, um, and uh, it's, it's still out there making fun of the American political landscape. Sounds good. So what is a pack for our audience, and what is a super pack? Right, so so we were trying to come up with a name for this game, and you know a lot of the low-hanging fruit was taken. There's there's a long there's a long history of of political satire card games and things about the election, the making of the president, and all all these games out there. Uh, we went with Super Packs um, just because um, ever since the Citizen United decision, um, there's these political action committees have been a large part of the um, political financing uh, ecosystem. Uh, so, so you have uh, a PAC, which is uh, allowed to um, you know, fundraise and collect money. I'm not a lawyer, so I, I might get some of this wrong, but the, um, it's okay. they are, they are uh, if, as, as I understand it, um, th- they are allowed to spend money um, however they want to because of freedom of speech um, and they're supposed to maintain distance from the actual candidate so that they aren't necessarily they're not linked to that campaign because there are still rules about how um, people running for office how they can spend money with their campaign um, donations but the PAC the PAC um, is just 
supposed to be like a separate organization and they can, you know, buy billboards and advertisements and, and do whatever they want to try and influence um, people in an election um, and and, um, and promote what they want to promote. So a lot of these PACs will choose candidates and promote those candidates and they're not officially part of that campaign, um, although there's a lot of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and sometimes there's sort of secret messaging like, you know, a candidate would be like, gee, if only somebody would take out some ads and say this or something. And then all of a sudden the, the, the pack next week is doing exactly that. Um, so they sometimes they, uh, depending on what the, the pack mission statement is or what their interests are, um, they will um, sometimes sort of try to do what they think the candidate wants. Um, it's just another form of... Um, interest group, how interest groups, you know, spend money to try and affect uh, the political landscape. Um, and it falls into, you know, lobbying and, and fundraising and th that whole, what I call the, the financial ecosystem around elections. Um, the, our, the game is not specifically about political action committees. Um, oh. We have we have some of those sort of referenced in there, but the game is just about American politics. Okay. And and it's um it's spoofing both sides um uh because I mean as we all know most of American politics is dominated by two sides yeah and and there's a lot of in jokes there's a lot of irreverent um irreverent humor in the game and you know the main joke in the game is that um winning elections can be important, but usually you win the game by just getting rich and buying investments and going off to um, enjoy your, you know, your real estate investments that you made while running for office or something like that. So that's that's one of the main jokes in the game is that is that the the, the elections can matter, but they it's often better just to um, exploit your followers, uh, raise money, and then go retire with the you know a bunch of um, things you you purchased while getting rich so the lobbyists are the winners well the the the, the so it it depends i mean there's there's just a lot of jokes so i'll explain how the game works it's not that okay, complicated yeah. so each player starts out um choosing one of the a leader card so you are representing a specific political candidate and, okay. and in the 2016, I was just looking these over because I, I haven't looked at this uh, recently, uh, but in the 2016 version, um, you know, we had, we had uh, different candidates, which we abstract. So you sort of have to fill in the blank. So we don't use anyone's actual name. And we're sort of thinking more about archetypes. So uh, in, in 2016, we had... Um, uh, the, the names of the of the candidates were the hairpiece. If you can, if you think uh, who that was, uh, someone who has a, a very um, whose hair is always making an impression um, uh, when you take pictures of them. Um, there was, uh, and then the the hairpiece is shown in the picture, uh, trying to build a, a wall between the U.S. and Mexico out of gold bars. And then we had uh, um, Mr. Hope, 
um, who who was um, who is uh, on a basketball court, and we have um, the big talker who is riding a train wearing dark sunglasses. We have the presumptive nominee who um, is a uh, is a, a a female candidate with two faces, um, one happy, one angry. We huh. have the socialist hippie, um, who is an old man um, wearing sandals and giving the peace sign. Uh, we had son of immigrants, the businesswoman, and tea party animal, the heir apparent, libertarian-ish. And then there were two, um, I'll talk about what these all stand for, but there were two who uh, are easily forgotten because they're not archetypes that have survived into the, after 2016. So these were just flash in the pan things that no one really remembers. But zombie neurosurgeon was one of our um, leaders. And um, that was uh, Ben Carson, who was a, a Republican candidate, um, who was a doctor. That's why he's called neurosurgeon. And uh, zombie, just because he had this really sort of sleepy way of talking. And then crime stat manipulator was the name of a Democratic candidate who was uh, uh, a mayor of Baltimore who who was um, um, had had gotten in, into some trouble for potentially misrepresenting um, crime statistics, which were a, a big part of his whole campaign um, reducing crime. Um, anyway, so those two kind of have gotten forgotten by history, but. Um, you know, libertarian-ish. There, there's usually somebody out there who's kind of repping for the libertarians. Um, son of immigrants. Um, this was Rubio back in 2016, but uh, you could count that today um, as Ramaswamy, who is, you know, in the Republican primaries. Um, there's often a candidate who's just saying, you know, I'm a son of immigrants and blah, blah, blah. It's like a main part of their stump speech. So that's kind of an archetype. Um, but at the time, there was uh, Carly Fiorina was was uh, was in the primaries, so we have the businesswoman. But the business person is all, always a an archetype in politics. So, um, and um, and in some ways, Trump represents himself that way as well. The Tea Party animal is a little bit lost to history now because the Tea Party movement is a little bit passe. But that the archetype there would be sort of an insurgent right-wing group within the Republican Party, which is certainly still true today, as witnessed by what's going on in the House of Representatives right now. And uh, I don't know what, what time. When do you launch? When do you release these podcasts? Like a Typically, few days later. The day of the if all goes well. Oh, great. Okay, so yeah, so that that current events will still be relevant if, if anyone listens to this right when it comes out. At the moment, the House of Rep has no speaker. Um, so even though they're not identifying as Tea Party, they're sort of more MAGA, Trump supporter, ex- I would call it extremists. But um, um, back back in 2016, that was a Ted Cruz um, card. But uh, the archetype is still around. It's it's sort of a, a um, just kind of a anti-government, um, you know. I don't even know how to describe it really, the Tea Party. But the the it's it's a, sort of an insurgency within the Republican Party. Um, and the heir apparent was representing Jeb Bush, who everyone thought back then was going to be the nominee until Trump um, uh, kind of stole the nomination. 
uh, Mr. Hope was, was an Obama archetype. Um, that's basically an archetype for someone who just tries to keep a positive message while campaigning, which is uh, difficult in this day and age, but some people do it. They're just like, look, there's a lot of negative campaign. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the positive guy. Thumbs sure. up on, about things. Um, presumptive nominee was, was Hillary Clinton and, and, you know, there's, there's usually a presumptive nominee in each party. Not always. Sometimes it's like a, a wide open field, but. Uh, and the big talker was Biden back in 2016, um, who was not running for president then, but he was an important part of the landscape. Now, are you next to a leaf blower? What's going on in the background? There is a... There's some construction going on. So, dear audience, we are pulling these interviews in whatever circumstances we find because we need to get this message out. So we may face obstacles, but we're not <laughs> fade or fold. Can you wander, like, can you walk three blocks away or something? I don't know. It's, 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 it's a long thing, so it's going to be hard to get away from. But I can okay. hear you fine. Go hide behind a building. <laughs> I, I am... I am by a building, so that doesn't seem to. No, unfortunately not. Anyway, so, anyway, the, the, it's a card game. Um, there's, there's a lot of parody. We have uh, the rest of the cards. So, so those are the leader cards. The rest of the cards all all represent, you know, interest groups or um, institutions that are part of the American landscape. Um, and uh, um, the, the, our, our opening paragraph on the rules is, Welcome to the United States of Humerica, a place with corrupt and incompetent leaders, shady financial interests, and lobbying groups so powerful that anyone seeking election must bend to their will. Those who seek to gain power must build a broad coalition of factions and exploit them to win elections and get filthy rich. Any resemblance to actual organizations or real people is purely coincidental. So that's that's the um, that's the pitch for the for the card game. Okay. So how's the how's the gameplay? What's that like? Is is it? You said it's card game. So is it is there a board, is there a board involved? Is there not a board involved? Is it the, how the board? The there's involved? a small board to just help you lay out your card piles, but it's basically a card game. Okay. Um, each round, players um, look through all these special interest group cards they have, and um, they either play a card face up or they play two cards face down and um, and then you reveal an event. Uh, okay. And so the events are sort of unpredictable things that happen in the course of, you know, a campaign season. And then um, three times during the game, there's, there's ten events. Three of those events are elections. So you have a House of Rep election, you have a Senate election, and then finally you have the White House election. Okay. And the cards that you have played contribute votes, they contribute money, and they contribute um, points at the end of the game. So y your um, your decisions about which cards to play, you know, will affect whether you win elections, whether you can fundraise to get lots of money and buy investments, which give you points, and whether you get points from those cards. And then each card has a little thing that it does, which is unique. Um, so 
you have to read the text to see what what those cards do. And they often give you money or draw you more cards or or there's um a game like this is often called a take that game. So you often the factions are fighting and eliminating each other. So you might play a card and say, I'm going to use this card to destroy your card. And you're like, oh, well, then on my turn, I'm going to use this card to destroy your card. So there's a lot of attacking other people's cards. Um, and um, and there's political cartoons on pretty much every on every card, um, you know, the, the artwork. So there's a lot of humor in there. Um, okay. And I'll go, I, I can go through what the, what the interest groups are at some point because that was an interesting research project. So imagine you're making a card game that is a parody of American politics and um, you have to decide, you know, which interest groups or institutions belong if, and you have to, you know, what, what makes the cut, what doesn't make the cut? Like how do you yeah. decide which groups go, which groups get represented in this card game? Because, you know, there's hundreds of groups. You can't include them all. So yeah. You have to decide, you know, which, which ones to include. And, 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 the, and um, the original game was actually based in Portugal and then they made a Spanish version and a Greek version um, so they were doing southern European politics and it was they have parliaments over there so they would have different different kinds of cards that represented different parties in parliament which is more than two parties but when we adapted the game so I, I came on as the American who would help these guys adapt their game to the American landscape and it's like, well, the first thing we got to figure out is we don't have parliament over here, so we have to figure out how to how to change your game so that it works with two parties. And so what we did is we um, there's five different kinds of groups. There's red groups, which are right wing. There's blue groups, which are left wing. There's gray groups, which would be independent, neutral, fringe, whatever you want to call that. So those are the three main groups. And then there's there's uh, money group like business groups um so they are sort of in a sense nonpartisan because they just care about profit and then there's government institutions so we went with these five different groups and so now you're looking at that and you have to have an equal number of those cards so whenever you say oh i really want to include you know this card we got to put in the libertarians then those are going to be an independent group you know like you argue about well shouldn't they be I mean, they're usually represented more in the in the Republican Party. It's like, well, we could make them a red card, but I think it's more in the spirit of libertarians if they're considered an independent card. So we're like, all right, so we make that decision. So you have a certain number of those cards, and then you're like, well, I need an equal number of, of red right-wing cards, an equal number of blue left-wing cards, because that's balancing a card game. So then that's the fun part is when you start doing your research, figuring out who the big lobbying groups are, where the, you, um, getting on the websites and finding out who the biggest donors are and then trying to represent that in the card game and then hiring the artists to come up with funny cartoons about it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's a blast, it's a blast making this game. Um, and it was an interesting process because we were working on this game in 2015 and Trump was not ascendant yet. And so one of the arguments I had with the original designers, you know, they're, they're like, I'm involved to basically give them counsel on how to adapt this. And, and they were like, what about Trump? Are you going to, we should put Trump in the game. And I told them, don't put Trump in the game. Nobody takes him seriously. He's, he's just using this to get more, you know, um, pro promo for himself. And he will be forgotten in like three months. And, um, 
And they've, they were like, no, you got to put Trump in. The Europeans really, really think Trump is funny. You got to put Trump in. And we argued about it. And I was like, Trump is not, is not relevant. And we, <laughs> well, you know, we were working on this card game back in, you know, 2015. Shortly after that um, discussion, the primary started happening and, and Trump starts just developing this huge following and as we know he later becomes president so it would have been very embarrassing if i had convinced them not to include trump because we were trying to get the game out in time for the election and so we would have to finish the game like like almost a year in advance in order in order to in order to have it get finished manufactured shipped overseas you know like all the things you have to have to sell to sell something so so um so we were having to make some predictions ahead of time and cross our fingers. And so we slipped Trump in at the last minute, and then he ended up becoming the major story of 2016. So I, I would have been very embarrassed if, if we had not included him. But um, um, so, yeah, so his his card is in the game. And um, go ahead. You were talking about interest groups. So what interest groups did you include in the game? In the right. there? Okay, so... In 2016, we came out with the base set, and and then we did a later expansion. So I'll I'll tell you what the the, the first original cards are. And these were the ones that we felt either were were the most influential um, for for those five categories I talked about, or it was just funny to include them, because part of the the game is just be funny. So, So I've got 13... I've only got 13 groups for each category. So, oh. so here's here's the here's the red cards, which are the Republican right wing cards. We have um, the pro commerce lobby. We changed the names on these things, but this is basically the Chamber of Commerce. Now, you wouldn't normally that's not normally where your your brain would go, but all the research we did showed that the Chamber of Commerce was by far one of the biggest um, political donors. And that they, they almost only donated to Republican groups. Uh, at least oh. in twenty, at least in twenty sixteen, that was true. Um, I was uh, looking that up a little bit. So there's a there's a website called OpenSecrets.org that yeah. will that will give you lists of donors for things, and we relied on that a fair amount. Um, and uh, yeah, back in twenty sixteen, um, if you went to uh, lobbying top spenders. And which industries they came from? Um, there was 103 million dollars spent by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. I, I want to go ahead to 2023 and see, and, and they're still at the top in 2023. So they were they were number two in 2020. So that's interesting. But um, so Chamber of Commerce was one of our big groups, pro commerce, probably call them. Big tobacco, climate change deniers, arms dealers. The Zionist lobby. Um, interestingly, that we decided to make a right-wing group because at the time, um, in 2016, there there was a lot of uh, lip service being given. Um, there was a lot of right right-wing pro-Israel stuff. Now that the situation has changed, so I don't know that we would make this a red card if um, if we did this again. But in 2016, it seemed relevant to make that a red card. Um, and um, mega churches, Mormons, wow. gun nuts, pro-lifers. Um, we know that that's been very important 
uh, part of the right-wing landscape um, recently. Um, rednecks, which is a little mean, um, but uh, um, right-wing news, conservative talk radio, and then uh, we have a card that represents the Tea Party. Teapot Crackpots, we called it. And um, and that was um, sort of uh, Ron Paul, Boehner, um, um, uh, maybe some, um, oh, what was, I, I'm forgetting all the names now. But anyway, so the, the Tea Party had a card because in 2016 they were, they were very um, influential. That card, you know, you could maybe replace now because it's sort of faded in, in importance since then. So that would, that would be, that was our right wing landscape. You know, guns, abortion, religion, um, weapons, climate change denying, tobacco, um, big business, and then the media landscape, right wing news and conservative talk radio. So that was, that was our, that was our, that was our parody of the right wing landscape. Any, anything you think, uh, we, we missed that should be in there? No, that seems to cover it all. So <laughs> I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but that seems to be comprehensive. Well, we did do an expansion, so I'll tell you what we added later on. So then okay. on the left, on the left wing side, the, the Democrat, the Democratic Party, um, um, we have unions, car companies, environmentalists, academics, gay rights advocates, the movie business, the liberal media. Um, we have, so we call people Humericans instead of Americans. So we have Afro-Humericans, pro-choicers, single moms, trucksters, which would be the trucking um, unions, um, uh, Teamsters or whatever, um, Asian Americans and Latinos. So that uh. would, that would be showing, um, the Democratic Party usually giving more lip service to unions and minorities and, um, and, uh, environmentalist, um, groups. So, so that's why we had to include um, three different minority groups, and um, and certainly Hollywood um, seems to be predominantly Democratic. So those that was our take on the left wing. For the big business groups, um, big pharma, which is also one of the biggest political donors, um, according to our research, construction companies, insurance companies, lawyers, media conglomerates, oil and gas. Uh, Silicon Valley, small business owners, which is also kind of the same as, as the um, Chamber of Commerce. Um, there's a Super PACs card, um, which is a powerful card in the game. Um, and the Super PACs card is just representing the the, the, the green cards, which, re, which are about money and commerce. Telecoms and utilities, too big to fail banks, um, the one percent and uh, Wall Street. So okay. these were these are the cards on the business and money part of the uh, part of the uh, landscape, part of the ETH system. Then we have the government institutions and um, and sort of uh, let's see. Yeah. Okay. So we have. Um, we call it the National Spying Agency, uh, the, the NSA, um, 
the Fed, uh, government workers, tax collectors, the POPO is our um, card representing law enforcement. Um, and this is in 2016, so um, yeah, um, police issues have definitely um, become much more at the fore, at least out where I live on the West Coast, um, than they were in 2016. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, definitely the law enforcement deserves a place in a game uh, making a, a parody of American politics, although um, treading carefully on that issue uh, is, is tricky. How, how do you make jokes about something so sad and depressing? Um, the prison industrial complex is a card. Uh, the Supreme Court is a card. The, the, the uh, Pentagon, which we call the Polygon, is a card. Um, uh, World Bank is a card. We call it the World Bankruptors. And lastly, the Senior Citizens is a card, which we decided to make a gold group just because um, they're all getting Social Security. So they're sort of part of the, the government um, um, income stream rather than being right-wing or left-wing. Uh, finally, of most interest to this podcast would be our um, independent, fringe, um, sort of outside, um, and and neutral um, swing voter, all that kind of stuff is in our gray cards. So the ah. gray cards. So um, this has changed over time, but at the time, we learned that Catholics were actually sort of evenly split between... Right wing and left wing. So we have a Catholic card. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I don't even know if that's still true now. But in 2016, it was pretty evenly split. Um, and, you know, interestingly, Biden is Catholic and um, Pence used to be Catholic, although he converted to evangelical. So, um, um Catholics are, you know, one of the one of the one of the groups. Um, they're not a dominant group in in a, in, in the United States because the United States is so heavily Protestant. But they are a sizable group. They are, they, and um, um, but they don't seem to vote as a block the way wow. that the way that some Republican groups do. So Catholics wow. seem to be kind of split. So and and there there are even pro-choice Catholics. Um, so. Uh, that it's a little confusing, like Biden himself. Um, comedian newscasters was one of our fringe groups. Uh, 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 I don't know what the state of things is now. I'm old. I don't. I don't have a TikTok account. But um, back then, you know, The Daily Show was was pretty much um, how a lot of people got their news. And it was it was just switching over. Um, John Stewart had stepped down, and um, and last week tonight with John Oliver was starting out and um and uh so um but the comedy the, the the comedy news shows were were a big deal um i think probably more then than they are now um the paparazzi is a card hackers are a card hipsters are a card um and um Illegal immigrants are a card. Um, they don't get to vote, so um, they give you a negative one on your on your voting uh, if you play that card. Um, oh. 
libertarians are our uh, independent card. We I talked about that earlier. Marijuana activists, uh, which out here on the West Coast would now include um, uh, magic mushroom activists. Occupy Wallet Wall Street w- was a big deal back then, so we have a card for that. Um, that might be getting kind of forgotten at this point, but um, some of the big um, left-wing independent um, actions and activism that happened um, in the early part of the teens was was uh, under the Occupy Wall Street um, hashtag. Yeah. Um, organized crime deserves a card. Um, they uh, are definitely have a long. Uh, history of being involved in U.S. politics. Um, in fact, uh, I believe um, the Kennedy family um, has ties to, um, uh, you know, running liquor in the Prohibition era um, as, as uh, one of the sources of their wealth. Um, I don't know too much about it, so I don't want to misrepresent it. But uh, someone else could uh, could look look into that more. Uh, I hope I'm not saying something too inaccurate. Um, no, I, don't, I thought I heard that before. That sounds yeah. accurate. Uh, bloggers is a card. Um, sex workers is a card, only because of there's often sex scandals going on, and sometimes they involve sex workers. So uh, we threw that in just um, as a funny thing to have in the game. Your your leader is doing well, he's winning elections, and then someone, like, there's some scandal from the sex workers. Um, and veterans. So veterans also um, are on both sides, at both parties. Um, so they're sort of a swing a swing voter group, or a, um, and, dip, and usually both both sides will will cater or give lip service to veterans. So that, the, I just mentioned all the interest groups in the base version of the game. Um, that was our take on if you had to divide up uh, all of American politics into um, 65 different cards. Those are the 65 <laughs> cards that we chose. Okay, interesting. So some, you mentioned Israel for the Republicans. Some people would say the Israel lobby is... they go to both parties? I, certainly, certainly right now they do. Yeah, and, and, and certainly um, uh, America has always been a strong ally of, of Israel. So why do we make that a red card? You know, there was, there was a major thing going on in, in 2016, when the, when the, when the, uh, or in 2015 when we were developing this, where um, um, the, the, the left-wingers are a little bit more ambivalent about Netanyahu's approach to running Israel, uh. um, and um, and and certainly there are some progressives who are pro-Palestine. Um, um, so back then, um, I mean, I'm nervous about talking about this right now because of what's going on right now. But back yeah. in 20, but back in 2015, it was our our impression of the political landscape. And the way um, there's a big convention called CPAC, um, where you know, hard, sort of hard right people kind of posture. I'm 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 super hard right, and and there's a lot of language you know um, around um, n- you know national security and 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 things like that. So in in that era, 
Um, I, cer- I certainly don't think that the Democratic Party had, had abandoned Israel or anything like that. But uh, the, the, the posturing that we saw in 2015 seemed to be sort of um, um, the, hard, the hard right part of Israel connecting with the hard right part of America. So that's, okay. why, we re- that's why we represented it that way. Okay. Okay, sure. And that is also a general critique of our political system of lobbyists, too, is that some of the lobbyists do go to both sides. Oh, I mean, so, actually, uh, uh, tons of them go to both sides. And In fact, that's why we have all of those green cards, because they don't potentially care. They're not ideologically driven. They just need to make sure that the politicians don't get in the way of, you know, their industries. And sure. don't, don't regulate them more and don't make it harder for them to do what they want to do. Um, so, and, and, uh, you know, I've heard many times, you know, of people, um, like, uh, I had a friend who, who, who worked at, uh, Microsoft, uh, straight out of college. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 50, so it was a long time ago, but, the, um, um, and he was saying that, you know, in the early days, Microsoft didn't donate anything to, to politics. And then the antitrust lawsuits started coming down against Microsoft. And they were like, his take on it was not that the antitrust legislation was a legit complaint by the regulators, but that it was, and this is his perspective. I, I can't really justify whether it's true or not, but his perspective was, Microsoft was making so much money that Washington said, you have to give us some of that money. You cannot just be out there making money and not contributing to the political cycle. So then Microsoft started donating to both parties. And that, uh, so that was, that was sort of like the whip. You're like, okay, you are a new industry. You're making tons of money. You have to participate in the system. And this is how you do it, by donating to both groups. So... That was his perspective on that. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you're a huge, like, Silicon Valley, um, I mean, some of these guys, like Peter Steele, only donate to red, right-wing groups. But, um, but you know, as an industry as a whole, you know, certainly you know, these these huge tech companies, like, they they don't want to piss off either party. So they're 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 walking a tightrope, trying to trying to just keep both parties happy with them so they can do what they do is, is my is my impression of a lot of these companies some of the companies will have an ideological position and choose a party but uh, most of them are, are, are trying to keep both whoa now you're being <laughs> i love the background sound that it's so interesting it sounds like there's like there's planes flying over there's like cars squealing in the background yeah this is this is my what first, you call in the first field outdoor podcast yes Yep. Audience, we the show must go on. Whatever's going on in the background is not going to let us stop us from talking about these important topics. <laughs> so how can our audience get your game? So this is a funny story. I, I let our website lapse. Um, so I don't have the, the superpacksgame.com URL anymore. But okay. the, the best way to find our game is to, is to find me on Facebook. Uh, there's a Facebook group called Super Packs, the game of politics about the game of politics. Okay. And, and there is a there is a featured post there that gives you the link for how to purchase it. And if you purchase it, 
that way, I will get a I will get a message and I will hand mail you a copy of the game, including uh. the including the expansion. Um, there are some game stores that have have copies of it. Uh, I know that uh, I think Noble Knight in in Madison, Wisconsin, has copies of it, and um, there are people on eBay selling copies. Um, this terrible thing happened where where so. We printed a whole bunch of these, and then I had to move across the country, and oh. I was, I was running out of room in my in my truck in in the, my rented um, truck trailer, and so, I I I I kept half of the games, and the other half I just went to a game convention, just dropped like three hundred copies, and was like, these are free, give them away. I I can't move with them across the country. So there were a whole bunch of people in Connecticut who got a whole bunch of free copies of these, and some of those people are probably selling them on eBay now. Oh. Okay. So I can include that in our show notes, that link to your webpage, and then they can go from there. Yeah, I think it's facebook.com slash game and PAX is okay. P-A-C-S. Yeah. Okay. So the, how I got in touch with you, I can put that in our show notes. All right, Brandon, we thank you for coming on the podcast today and talking about your game and about how it satirized our political system. Well, thanks, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see in the next cycle next year how a lot of these cards and a lot of these archetypes are still very much in play. You're going to have a Trump and a Biden and a whole bunch of, um, of the same interest groups that we always have. Yep, that sounds right. So we wish you all the best in advancing your game and getting that word out for that and everything else you do in life. (laughs) Likewise. All right. Take care and all the best. Okay. Bye-bye.